This is episode 158 of IDRA Class Notes. Restorative practices definitely can be an incredible resource for schools. But it's important to know that you have to have commitment by the administration all the way up from the top to the bottom, feeding right into the teachers. You have to have training. You have to have support on both sides. And you have to have an awareness of you know some of these consequences that result from unfair disciplinary action. Good morning, I'm Lori Posner. I'm Director of Civic Engagement at IDRA. And I'm here this morning with David Hinojosa, Director of the IDRA South Central Collaborative for Equity. Good morning, David. Good morning, Lori. Thank you for having me. We're here to have a conversation about disciplinary practices in public schools and students' and families' rights, as well as resources for educators. This is a really critical topic right now, of course. And, you know, I first just want to ask you a very general question, David. Do students have rights? Yes, absolutely. They have rights both under federal and state civil laws. They have rights under both federal and state criminal laws, and they might have further rights under local school board policies. For example, you know, at the federal level, there's, of course, you know, Title VI of the Civil Rights Act that prevents uh, discrimination on the basis of race, national origin, disability, gender, and age that definitely, you know, protects students where that might possibly be an issue that arises. Uh, there might also be local state civil rights protections that even expand beyond you know, those protected classes. Many states have sought protections for individuals that go beyond those classes that I just mentioned. And then, of course, there's federal disability laws also that help protect students uh, with disabilities from harassment and from uh, physical harm. And then we still have, even beyond those, are criminal statutes. Oftentimes those aren't really looked at as, you know, potential recourse because of the protections that, you know, law enforcement community, for example, have been able to hide under or, you know, teachers themselves not really being subject to these criminal statutes. But those definitely are some areas. And and even beyond that are, you know, local policies that required districts when disciplining, such as out-of-school suspensions or in-school suspensions. They have due process protections for parents and families to challenge the type of disciplinary action taken against uh, their child. So we know, for example, in the state of Texas that, you know, the disciplinary practices started with the impulse to try to create a safe school environment for everyone, teachers, students, and to make sure that learning was taking place in a safe environment. Have you seen a change in that over time? Well, unfortunately, yes. I think that some of the statutes were well-intended. Again, you know, like what you mentioned was to provide a safe environment for both the teachers and uh, the students, a safe learning environment. But Many of the discretionary actions have bled over into, frankly, you know, it's just outright abuse. There's thousands and thousands of students that are being suspended either within the school or multiple fractions leading to out-of-school suspensions, uh, referrals to disciplinary alternative education programs that were supposed 
to address more criminally related activities, uh, but now they are subject to you know uh, increasing disciplinary actions and consequences resulting from very minor issues such as you know disrupting the class, for example. So, unfortunately, you know, and IDRA's research has shown that, for example, the referrals to disciplinary alternative education programs which were intended, again, to address a very narrow, more serious set of criminal statutes and criminal activities by students, then bled over into many discretionary actions. And we saw an increase over 10 years of 35,000 more students being uh, referred to those programs, where oftentimes they end up having access to uh, unqualified teachers, untrained teachers. Uh, They don't have access to their regular core content for a number of days and it ends up detracting from the learning but once again you know the bottom line is is that there's so many disciplinary actions being taken against students because of minor minor infractions unfortunately it's resulting in millions of hours of lost learning time across the country you know um, speaking of a response to an infraction that looks to be you know disproportionate to many of us We've seen, and part of the impetus for this conversation, is that federal authorities have have just opened a civil rights investigation into an incident in South Carolina uh, that took place last month. We saw across the country, captured in in videos, student videos, showing a police officer at Spring Valley High School um, dragging a student, an African-American student, and her chair across a classroom. And we also know from the Office of Civil Rights data set, as you mentioned, IDRA's research, suggesting a pattern, a disparate treatment of students of color, students with disabilities in disciplinary action. I wondered if you could speak a bit about what trends you see as an equity assistance center director on this kinds of disparate treatment. Well, unfortunately, the trends that we see are that they're getting worse, and especially for students of color, especially for students with disabilities. The latest Office of Civil Rights data showed that 3.5 million students were suspended out of school in the year 2011 and 12. 3.5 million were suspended within the school, and over 130,000 were expelled altogether from the school. And then when you look at students of color, African-American students, for example, are shown to be three times more likely to be suspended out of school. And it's even worse when there's discretionary actions. You know, it might be, you know, conduct in the classroom, for example. Uh, It's worse for both Latino and African-American students. Texas Appleseed just released its report uh, based on Texas, and it showed that just for the elementary grades from pre-kinder through the elementary grades, black students, of course, make up only 13% of this population of students, but they made up 42% of all students uh, suspended out of the school. And it's not just Texas. It's very much across the country, as the national data shows, unfortunately. Hmm. And there's intuitively going to be an impact on student achievement. But is there data to the effects of how this disparate treatment impacts achievement or graduation? Yeah, there's a lot of research out there showing both impacts on 
students socially, cognitively, and academically. When we're talking about academically, of course, you know, whenever you suspend a student, whether it's, you know, within the school or referring to a disciplinary alternative education program or out of school, you have a loss of learning time there. You have a loss of learning time from their primary teacher who knows them, knows their background, knows their history, uh, knows what their strengths and weaknesses are, as opposed to a student who might be placed in in school suspension or disciplinary alternative programs. Uh, And the research shows that these students, some of the research shows that they're 10 times more likely when they're suspended out of school to be retained in their grade level. And of course, you know, grade retention ends up is a primary indicator of dropout rates. And so we see this, you know, from academic performance in the classroom to being retained in the grade level to ultimately being pushed out of school altogether. Unfortunately, those are the academic consequences for students subject to disciplinary action. So for educators who want to take a different approach, uh, we know that there are around 30, roughly 30 states who have banned, already banned corporal punishment, about 19 or 20 who still allow it. But on the other hand, there are schools that are moving completely away from punitive practices like suspension, expulsion, and corporal punishment altogether, and they're pursuing restorative practices. Are restorative practices and other approaches effective? What do we know about that, and what can educators do if they're interested in learning more about that? Yeah, the restorative practices definitely can be an incredible resource for schools. But just having restorative practices isn't going to get you any further that you need to be. And uh, some of these include, you know, the positive behavior intervention and supports. But it's important to know that you have to have commitment by the administration all the way up from the top to the bottom, feeding right into uh, the teachers. You have to have training. You have to have support on both sides. And you have to have an awareness of, you know, some of these uh, consequences that result from unfair disciplinary practices. And I think it even bleeds further uh, beyond that in trying to train teachers on the issue of implicit bias. Implicit bias is where, you know, the embedded stereotypes that most of us all carry Uh, that heavily influence our decision-making without any conscious knowledge. So having these impact the teacher's own conduct within the classroom and what they're perceiving, their perceptions from students. Well, I'm perceiving this student as being very different than what I would perceive a student to be, and maybe that's a general white upper-class student. And when they see someone detract from that, all of a sudden they see that person reacting in a negative manner. Uh, And so instead of trying to redirect or intervene, perhaps in a more positive manner, they come down on that student. And that just does not work. So the restorative practices certainly are, there's a lot of uh, opportunity there, but it also has to be engaged with the appropriate practices, resources, and policies. As we talk about implicit bias, I'm wondering what resources that you might be able to point educators, family members, and students themselves to to find out more about students' rights, disciplinary practices, 
disparate treatment and outcomes and implicit bias. Are there, are there some resources that, that people can go to following this, this podcast to learn more? Yeah, the U.S. Department of Education, their Office of Civil Rights, has some great information on school climate and discipline, both awareness and opportunities for training. There's a number of organizations also that address school-to-prison pipelines, and part of that is addressing disciplinary policies and practices. Of course, you know, there are legislators when dealing with state laws, there are school boards when dealing with uh, local school board policies or opportunities, even their schools, the principals and teachers themselves, uh, as they're, you know, at ground zero, uh, implementing a lot of this. Oftentimes, you know, if communities can engage them appropriately, they have opportunities. And of course, the equity assistance centers that IDRA operates, and there's nine other centers across the country, certainly available to help schools uh, learn about these issues. And on implicit bias, there's a number of different trainings uh, available by mostly higher ed institutions out there. Rachel Godsill, for example, uh, offers uh, some really great training on implicit bias. And it's definitely, you know, very necessary in order to address uh, some of these disparate uh, disciplinary practices that we're seeing now. Well, thank you, David, for those resources. Thank you for meeting this morning to discuss what I think is a really critical topic. David Hinojosa is director of the IDRA South Central Collaborative for Equity, which has resources that he described at IDRA's website. Please also visit our podcast series and give us feedback. We welcome your input and more conversation in the future about disciplinary practices in public schools. Thank you for listening, and thank you, David. Thank you. Thank you for listening to IDRA Class Notes. For more information on IDRA and other Class Notes topics, go to www.idra.org. You can also send us your thoughts by email to podcast at idra.org.